Talk Network. Hi, this is Devin Track with the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of 40K Radio. And now, on with the show. Welcome to 40K Radio. Hello, and welcome to episode 54 of 40K Radio. And this is going to be a good one. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Alex. With me, as always, Amy. Hello, how are you? And Jay. Are you as... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do I get a turn? Can I also say hello? Yes. Hello. Are you guys as excited as I am? Oh, I, I am, am very more excited. excited than you are. Excellent. And I am also... As we've been revealing things, very happy that in my purge, I kept my tear nets. Good work. <laughs> very smart. Yes, that was an essential. It was a good move. I've never been so happy to be a hoarder. Oh, I know, right? Well, <laughs> especially since my tear net army was all big monster based, so I'm even happier. Nice. But if you yeah. haven't figured out what we're talking about, it's ninth edition. We've gotten a lot of news since the last time. Wait. Wait, wait, we're, we're just going to talk about 9th edition? Oh, no. We have plenty of this Okay, stuff. good, good. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, got, I, no, got, no. I got other things. There, there are about. lots of things, <laughs> other exciting things going on. We'll cover those first, and then we'll head into 9th. So. All right, well, you guys need to tell me when to stop, because I can talk about the new Aeronautica Imperialist stuff for quite a while. So let's talk oh, about, I'm excited about recent that. stuff we've been excited about, hobby-wise or otherwise, Jeff. Let's hear you go off on Aeronautica, because I'm also excited. I did pick up the new box set, but I'm going to let you talk about it. Oh, man. I am so happy with this. So we, we already, we've already known for a while that the Tower coming to Aeronautica Imperialist, along with some more um, you know Imperial Guard flying stuff that I could not care less about. <laughs> but, what, I mean, okay, I mean... Let's get it out of the way. Like, the little planes, they're cool. Barracudas, tiger sharks, they're neat. Like, I've, I just finished building a couple of tiger sharks right now, just as we were waiting to start the show. And the models are exactly what you'd expect. Quality plastic, a lot, a lot of details, a lot of little fiddly bits. This is uh, this is some little bit of Malifaux-level type things. <laughs> but at least all the antennas are, like, cast directly into into the actual ships. Yeah, for for those who've built um, Forge World Aeronautica Imperialist tow ships, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? So, yeah, I, you hate it too. There, there was also because I I uh, put together a lot of the all the Imperial stuff for the first the first wave, and there was a lot of fiddly bits in that one too. I mean, I there's I looked at the tow, there's not as much as tow, but I was definitely clipping sprues in a deep uh, like uh, plastic container just in case anything went flying. I got to tell you, I saw somebody was like living in the future because someone was talking about, you know, that sound when you when you oh. click pink and oh. it flies across the room. It's the worst. And somebody goes, oh, I just take a pick. I just take some um, like blue tack and stick it on to a piece before I cut it out, because then it's too heavy to fly. Or even if it does, it makes it easier to find. And I was like. Damn, that's a good idea. Where have you been for the last 15 I, years of I've my tr- life? I've like, I try to wrap my hand around it as much as I can. Yep, exactly. That, that, is, that is way oh, the, less chance of me getting cut. I like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the, the trick I've been told to use, and I've been too lazy to, is just to put a piece of scotch tape on the other side of the sprue. Yeah, I mean, similar yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah like, it's, why? it's basically the same thing. Just But 
who's got time to, for that? I have, I have to get up, go to the kitchen, get into the junk drawer, pull out the scotch tape. Oh, <laughs> it's all the way on the other side of the room. I stopped caring at get up. Yeah, but that uh, seems way easier than hunting on the floor yeah. for that little piece that you just launched. So, but <laughs> you know how disasters are. It'll never happen to me. I'll right, never right. catch COVID-19. That. That'll never happen. Ugh, 19 people at a party. My, anyway. my store's carpet is uh, the exact sprue gray. Oh, boy. So that's it's super fun building models at work. The only thing worse would be like textured between two shades of dark gray. Oh, oh yeah, no, that's what it is. Oh, good. Oh yeah, good, it's good design. You know, for, but yeah, I mean, the for, the models are excellent. Yeah, they, the models good. are great. That's all beautiful. Fine. And, and the uh, now that I've seen them like in hand, you know, the, the tiger sharks are, are a lot bigger than I thought they were gonna be too, which is great. They they are bigger than the Forge World. Like everything's slightly yeah. bigger than Forge World was because I think Forge World uh, Aeronautic Imperialist was maybe twenty two millimeter. I don't know. I'm not good at these scales, but. They, they, were, they were slightly smaller and definitely didn't have the the amount of detail um, that these guys have. Yeah. Yeah, these are beautiful models. They, they are gorgeous. They are fun. I can't wait. Like, I, I didn't buy the new box set because I wanted more ships, more Tau ships, didn't have anyone to trade with, and wanted more variety. So I just bought one of each of the boxes of the Tau ships, and I bought, like, the campaign books and the cards. Which is, is still like a hefty investment, but I, I think it's going to last me a while. Like there's at least 250 points worth of models in there. But here's the thing. As excited as I was about the Tau ships and the Tau rules and all that, the rules that they have, that they added to the, the game system for some of the missions are even better somehow. They've, they, they basically... It's not what they can do now, not that the games don't look like they can be fun, but what they can probably bring to the future of the game and, and to just playing 40K in general. And this is why, like, I've, I've been talking this about my brother, like, they need to start putting out new factions very quickly if they want to capitalize on, yep. on the possibilities of this game. Yeah. So, so for, for those who may not, like, for those who, who may not know what I'm talking about, um, they, they basically added a couple of scenarios for low-altitude fights, Underground fighting, which sounds strange for aircrafts, but I mean, when you're thinking about sci-fi, every you know, this, I was going to say the sky is the limit, but clearly it's not in this case. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, the, the, really, the imagine your imagination is is your limit. And they've also added a, a scenario that involves a sky fortress. Yeah. And all of this. I mean, first of all, let's talk about the low altitude fighting. This is 28 millimeter. This is the same scale as Adeptus Titanicus. Yep. And if you got the core box where you play Titanicus, you've probably got some of the scenery. And the whole point of the rules for low-altitude dogfights is that you can collide with hills, you can collide with buildings. So tossing in a couple of those buildings, or even some of the Titans themselves... Like um, just putting in a warlord as an obstacle that you're fighting around, it adds a whole new dimension to what you can do with the game, both visually and just also for how how fun it is dynamically. And more importantly, the Sky Fortress thing right now it's a very abstract rule where you've got a bunch of X's and you can put some of the the, the static defenses on it, and you've got like their own modifications for the rules. 
But if you project that in the future, if this game takes off any, and Games Workshop invests in it, we could be they could be adding some of the larger ships, adding adding a Tau Manta, mm-hmm. and having their own special rules for Sky Fortresses like that, because the rules for how to handle them in scenarios already exist. So, I mean, just creating like an orc monstrosity to put on your table, and a lot of people will say, well, we've seen, we've kind of already seen some of that in X-Wing, but X-Wing handled larger scale ships in such a different way that it was really hard to incorporate them in games. Like they, they needed to be sort of kind of like their own side game. And it was kind of clumsy in a way, but this, I haven't played it yet. So I might, I might be completely off the rails, but it looks very elegantly added. And the rules for how to put us like the, to, to use a sky fortress can also be sort of translated into some of the other missions. And this leads me to the final thing that's exciting. And we're going to get into ninth edition probably soon. But the thing is, in ninth edition, we've got this old escalation thing called Crusade, where it's just supposed to be heavily narrative. And it seems like it's the perfect time to incorporate some of the other games, such as yep. Aeronautica Imperialist, where you can kind of jump back and forth between one game and the other as you as you play different scenarios, different narrative scenarios. Like, let's say you start with a, a game of Kill Team, where one of your your team needs to escape with valuable information. If they make it to the end point and survive, then you can skip to a... a an, an aerial excursion, like where they, they they pick up those those spies from an evac zone and try to you know save them, and you can move from game to game like that very easily, and and basically just create these these amazing long stories. And I I mean, I'm just excited like a six year old, as is clear by how coherent I am right now. <laughs> No, I think those no, are all... No, when we were talking about that, yeah, like, yeah. tying them together is awesome. Amazing. Yeah. And, like, the potential for even being, like, future team events where you have a team of six and... or even eight, and you've got... So you've got, you know, one of your players is playing Aeronautica, one of your players is playing Kill Team, and two of your pe- people are playing a doubles game of 40K. And points matter, and they, you know, like, you can accrue points, and things that happen in one game can affect you know, other, like, things that happen in your 40k game can affect your next round's Aeronautica game or something like that. Like, that's, it could be crazy good. Yes. And and I would love it. It'd be a nice surprise if in the in the ninth edition 40k rulebook in the Crusade section there was the how to incorporate the other games into this. Mm-hmm. It would be nice. Or even and that's uh, white where, article, you know, whatever, something. Yep. Uh, I would rather have it like, oh, somewhere that's easily accessible that you, I don't need to like go dig up somewhere. But I mean, in, any way to do it is fine. But and and this this leads us to like the perfect time where okay, Ninth Edition has been out for a few months. Aeronautica is picking up some steam. Everything's going fine. They've run out of Titans to put in Adeptus Titanicus, and then they announce, well, we're bringing back Gothic. And we're expanding Titanicus to not just be Horus Heresy anymore. And then you can bring that game in. Mm-hmm. That, that's when happy. I faint and take out a small personal loan. Unsecured. <laughs> you gotta. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just 
I mean, part of the reason I'm excited about the Aeronautica stuff too is is for purposes of Epic, which I still play, because you know, finding a Manta online, a forgeable Manta, is like 150 bucks, and you know, so I have one in one of my drawers. <laughs> it's you... it's no longer the correct scale, so yeah. I might <laughs> just use it for like as as a, a scenery for Aeronautica, just as a crashed Manta. Oh, that'd be cool. But yeah, just the the endless possibilities now. I mean. That because they've said before with Aeronautica and Titanicus, like you know, it's not going to be a Blackstone Fortress thing. That's what or what they're hoping is that it's not like a Blackstone Fortress where it's we release a bunch of content and then we're done with it. You know, and even with Blackstone Fortress, they they, they could separate into seasons. I'm ranting a little bit now here too, but you know, at least from <laughs> from you know with Warhammer Quest, like Age of Sigmar, it was like, well, here's it's done. You know, maybe we'll revisit it later in a different format, a different story, but this is done. But with Aeronautica and Titanicus, that's not what they want to do. Right. Uh, but I still think that they need to sort of, this, they need to like pick up the pace on it. Oh, a bit. yeah. Yep. And oh, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I think, and we've said it before, Imperial Guard for the second box hit, you know, would have went a much longer way if it was Chaos or Eldar or, or you know, one of those factions. Necrons, something, something else. Literally any other second faction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they'd come out faster to get like closer together, I guess I could see like Imperial feels less bad. But if you're not into the Imperium, yeah, <sighs> and, and I, you know, I think part of that too is the, you know, these a lot of the, just because of the way it works, is a lot of the campaign is from an, the campaigns are from an Imperial perspective. Right. I mean, I'm hoping the next one won't be Imperial plus Eldar that, you know, we can move on from that now, I think. <laughs> but it's I mean, the thing is, it's still a lot of raw potential. And yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that probably slowed things down, we, we did have a tiny bit of a pandemic. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but by the way, everybody that's like we're worried about having models during uh, dur- during any of their lockdown, stock up before it happens again. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> Falls yeah. on its way. Um, so, anyways, but yeah, I mean, I'm just I didn't I, I gotta admit like I wasn't expecting much out of this second book. I I I didn't think that the new rules would be of any interest. Like especially when you said, "Oh well, there's going to be like dog fights in a cave." I'm like, how? Oh, that sounds dumb. <laughs> but no, it turns out a lot of it is super simple and super fun. So, hmm. But I know you guys are itching to talk about Ninth Edition. No, I I mean I'm excited for what the potential with aeronautics. I thought I wasn't, you know, the underground mission thing i think is really cool in low altitude and like we talked about before in the last um with the psi titan for uh titanicus they mentioned you know possessed titans so don't count out any of these games yet because there's a lot of stuff coming and if they can integrate it like you were saying i think that's a really really neat but thing he, and expanding it into like a Here's my worry from a marketing perspective for these things is that like a, a game like we we know by now that like creating the these you know, these plastic molds like there's a lot of lead time there's a lot of financial investment and to have these games sort of work and, and pay for themselves they need to re- reach a certain critical mass of interest like you need to be able to create communities you need to be able to have 
people that play and buy and bring other people into the hot the hobby. And the problem with Era Imperialis, my big worry, my fear with it is that with only so few factions and such a slow rollout, I don't want them to hit a point where they go, well, we've got six factions out, but really we're not seeing the we're not seeing the the energy or we're not seeing the uh, the excitement from the community that we'd want to. And I feel that they would get that if they got more factions faster. Like to a certain point, I feel that when they started adding, like they added a, an extra Marauder type, they added some extra bombers to the the orcs. I feel that these, these should have been like these should have been the Tau, and we should have been getting Eldar's and Necrons by now. Because yeah. I want I want people people identify with their army, and I want people who identify with a certain type of army to find their little their little planes to play with. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean the and the potential definitely is there because if you look at even just without even going to Forgeville, just the different aircraft that are available in 40k for all the various armies, there's a lot of a lot of potential that they could do for Aeronautica. It's just making it available in a manner where you can drag in more players, get more people. Exactly, and and it's it's the big problem I have right now with Adeptus Titanicus yeah. is I have the game. I'm probably going to build the scenery to play Aeronautica Imperialis before I build the Titans to play um, Adeptus Titanicus because I can't, there's not much of a community. There's not, there's a lot of variety in what I can do for Imperial Titan versus Imperial Titan, but I feel, I mean, I feel kind of creatively locked down. I don't. I don't yeah. feel that there's there's a lack of variety that just isn't exciting, and I can't have any of this stuff bleed into my other games either. Yeah. Like I'm painting these Tau ships to in the same colors as the Tau ships I have, as the, the Tau army I have. So it, it's all going to blend together. It's going to be great. And I'm just. I, we were talking about Crusade, and I was thinking, well, I should do my my Gene Stewart cult, but I could also be doing some more of my Tau. Because I'm super excited because I got Tau ships now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it all blends in together. And I, I'm worried that maybe Games Workshop isn't capitalizing on it enough. I agree. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I agree. I'm hoping that they're a little... I mean, they seem to be a little smarter now. You know, I think the 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 way they're handling psychic awakening and stuff makes me more optimistic because they def. I mean, they could have said, "Okay, well, you know, we were one book a month. That's what we're sticking with, and we're just going to push everything back." But you know, it's it's been a one every every two weeks. I I mean, I fully expect this weekend to have the last one be up for available for pre order. Um, yep. And then. You know, ninth edition very shortly after that. Um, so hopefully they, they're they're smartening up a little bit, and you know it seems to me like this, the Tau stuff is, and or I should say the new box set, not just the Tau stuff, but that's going pretty well. Like I've seen plenty of pictures in the various Facebook groups of somebody with like six Tiger Shark boxes. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hopefully they'll see the, they're realizing the potential, but only time. I, will tell. 
the, the store I buy my stuff from was a bit late in opening because they're, they're, they're like, they obviously they have certain staffing issues because like lockdown and things. So they couldn't, they didn't open their games workshop arrivals on Saturday. So mm-hmm. I had to wait until basically Monday, just kept going to their website and just refreshing to see when they had their aeronautic imperialist stuff. And they only had one of each, which means they're currently sold out of Tau. <laughs> Because of yeah. me, <laughs> I the I don't know how well X Wing is doing from no. my very <laughs> very since small the new edition. Size. Not at I, all. I, let me let me. I've seen lots of posts of in the various trading groups and stuff. Is hey, does anybody you know? I'll trade X Wing for whatever forty K stuff you can give me, or you know, hey, anybody want to buy? Even like when people are like, hey, what are ships worth now? People are like, well, like probably a few bucks a piece because nobody really wants any of it. Our um, our X-wing night used to be twenty to thirty people, and uh, at last check, I think they had six. Yeah. Now it's just so... Mark Hamill himself coming to cry in a corner. <laughs> yeah, just you know, hanging out. It's like, wow, you're Mark Hamill. You want to play a game? Nah. No. <laughs> I mean, you can sign my lightsaber, but yeah. Uh, no, I mean, there's judging by how well X-Wing did initially before they decide to completely shoot off their own legs, um, there's definitely a market for tiny ship games. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, and Games Workshop couldn't have asked for a better opportunity. I just wanted to use it. Yes. They're really good at leaving money on the table. I know people keep saying, oh, Games Workshop, all they want there is, is, is your money. Yes, like, you know, yeah, but a company. Really- they're really bad at taking it, though. The like, I the, mean, they're they're doing a decent job, but they yeah, no, I mean, but but the thing is, like, there's so many opportunities where they have a product that clearly everybody wants. They're like, nah, we're not we're not gonna make more, <laughs> but, but but money make some. Come on, like the the, the tournament sized rule books which is amazing it took them literally an edition a complete edition before they went you can sell those independently yep. people yeah. were buying boxes just to get those I, it was ridiculous i you know i and i know we had i think we'll see one for ninth because the the age of sigmar gaming book has gone so well Yep. That, and I mean, we were talking about before, like, oh, when do you get, the, get this free? But then it's like, oh, well, actually, we're getting a whole new edition. So that probably explains why they didn't do that. But yeah, I'm sure we'll see those soon. It'd be great if they were available, like, at launch. But yeah, no, absolutely. And, and again, like, this is this is stuff people will pay for. This is this is there. And the same thing for Aeronaut and Camperalis. Right now, there's there's literally a hole in the market. The industry has has a void that needs to be filled. Games Workshop has, not only do they have a good product for it, they basically have the original product. Like, X-Wing was heavily inspired by the original Aeronautic Imperialist. Oh, yeah, big time. This new version is just the same thing, but better. So, come on, let's go. Let's get the engine rolling. And hopefully, unlike Fantasy Flight, GW's same thing, but better will not be a total loss. Which it seems like X Wing is going that way pretty quick. It, I mean, we're not. I don't want to like 
waste too much time on talking about Fantasy Flight, but I, I have a feeling that, I mean, as long as they have the Star Wars license, they could easily oh, roll yeah. into a third edition, clean up some rules, mostly clean, clean up their distribution model, how they get these rules and how to get these gaming tools into people's hand. If they can do a good job of that, which is really not impossible, I, I think they can salvage it. But... I have some insider knowledge, and I'm just going to say don't hold your breath on that one. Ooh, oh, okay. <laughs> well... I wasn't planning to. <laughs> I, mean, I have a lot of X-Wing stuff, but it's like I'm probably just going to give it to my local game See, store. I, I once I heard second edition X-Wing on the way, I, I made the smart, in retrospect, smart move and, and dumped it as soon as possible for some money. Any any, any money. Um, I just wanted to stop taking up room in my home. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that was part of the reason, too. I never played anymore. I kept the, the one or two, sh- the, actually the two ships that I did custom paint jobs on, but everything else was like, yeah. This is not yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm likely to keep, like, a couple of ships that look cool, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, same thing, not to harp too long on Fancy Flight, but once I saw, like, oh, here's your upgrade kit that contains these specific things, no matter how many you actually have. Yeah. Anyway. Ninth edition! Oh, boy. Oh, boy. There's so much ground to cover. So I, I think, you know, before we get into the specific rules, the best thing to do is just talk about that sexy sexy box set so uh here's one of the interesting things about it they have specifically said that this is not a starter box but that it is a launch box right um the distinction being that it doesn't come with the uh like it doesn't come with the dice and the measuring stick and all of that nonsense like this they say that they have designed this for people who are already into the game um which is not to say that you can't pick it up if uh you're new but it lacks some of those like super beginner things which is absolutely fine by me uh, Mm -hmm. because I never use them anyway Um, they've also said that it's limited but it's not like the sisters box Um, it's limited in amount of time they're going to offer it not quantity which is one of the things that people have lost their minds about so far but I assure you if you want it you'll be able to get it yeah yeah don't worry about that if you want it in like a year maybe not but so you want it now. I mean, what we know for sure is it's got quite a few models for Necrons and Space Marines and a rule book, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, a fancy rule book. Yes, very, very sexy looking rule book. Yes. Now, um, as far as the models inside, oh boy, what a mm-hmm. deal. What a deal. Yeah. And so I, we don't have well, a price on it yet. No. Yeah, we don't have the price. One of the things also, just going back to how this is not a beginner's box, is that these, and, and judging by what we've seen of this proves, these are not like your easy build snap tight right. little models right. either. It's these, right, these, which the starter boxes usually are. Yeah, exactly, it's, which is going to be good. Yeah, it's sort of that, it's here's here's the unit that it would come in in a box. We've just put those screws in a new box for you. Together, yeah. And, and I'm going to answer the question that I saw on during the reveal in on Twitch as to why is like why is a Space Marine sprue attached to a, a Necron sprue? Well, that's because they can snap them apart mm-hmm. and put them in different boxes. Yep. Right. Exactly. Tooling is an amazing thing when it comes to uh, machine shops. Mm-hmm. So, I, I one of the things I that I like is. With the Space Marines, is, and I'll start with that, is that they kind of talked about, yeah, the original Primaris, these were by call. That's why they have no ornamentation, because they're just like factory line guys. 
But yep. now we're starting to see the, well, we've been in a chapter for a while. We're starting to take on those things like hang skeletons from our shields. Because uh, why not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they, you're getting more towards the individually ornamented marines that more people are used to. Which, of course, feeds the speculation that regular marines will go away at some point. Who knows? But anyway... I think I'm, the, I'm getting more comfortable with the idea that in the next half a decade, like no longer having any of the original Marines yeah. will be fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not worried about it. Again, you can always, you know, they have the, the legends points cost, which you can still use them if you want. But I, yeah, it's, I don't think it's anything that's going to happen soon, but how about those Necrons though? That's where the big winner is here. Oh <laughs> my god. Every, which yeah. is which is amazing to me because every post I see is like whenever anybody says, Hey, I wanna split uh, like the space marine part, there's like eighty thousand replies when people or people are always like, Hey, I wanna keep the Primaris and, and ditch the Necrons. That's the, that's the winner in the boxes. The I Necrons. Was, oh my I god. I was delighted. I was delighted when after the like the the day of the box preview. I get a message from one of my friends that was like, well, I guess I'm starting a Space Marine Army. I was like, good news. Yeah. I have half a box for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm keeping the judiciary because I he's, he's going to be a chaos guy, and yeah. that's just all oh, that's going to happen with that. It's fine. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, you can take the rest of it. Enjoy. I mean... Take your stupid bikes. I don't have anyone to split a box with, and... I'm going to have to be okay with that. <laughs> well, I have so many armies, and I don't need to start Necrons again. But man, the mm-hmm. towers talking about earlier—they're kind of half tower, how ne- half Necron. That was kind of our theme, and we had like a really cool story to go along with it. So I—I I mean, I could—I could totally like use some of that. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't, but yeah. man, these are sexy. They're very pretty. Well, with with the popularity of the of all the posts looking for primaries, I'm sure you would have no problem getting rid of them for a a decent amount of money to cover your necrons anyway. But I am super bad at selling things on the internet. I have so <laughs> many armies that I need to I sort know, of get I rid know. of, and I, I I can't because I'm not good at it. I was really bad at it too, but I mean, if you, I've learned with with my little purge I did. If you throw up a picture and say, hey, want to get rid of this stuff, somebody will offer you something for it. You don't even have to get into great detail what it is. They'll, they, as long as you have pictures, somebody will, will buy it from you. I'll see. Like, I, I, the worst thing is, I, the only reason is I just need, I just need the room. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I had to do it, too. It was, just, it was too, much, too much stuff, too many neglected armies. It's just, mm. you know. But anyway... The, the new warriors look great. All the different little, like, characters and stuff look really awesome. Um, especially... Those little crypto thralls are so adorable. And... And, and then the Scorpec destroyers with their, uh, like, arm swords. Incredible. Um, they also put out an article of, like, the Beyond the Box, which has the Space Marine quad thing and the yeah. weapons platform, and then the Heavy Destroyer and the um, Canoptic Doomstalker, which is the other spindly-legged thing. Uh, the one in the box is the Reanimator. Um, but I'll point out that we, I mean, we saw it in the preview image, but we still don't have the Silent King. 
No, not yet. Nope. I think or Ordor's new monolith. There's a lot. Of, yeah, yep. yeah. There's a lot in that image. That that Satan holds a a world of possibilities. Mm-hmm. I, I I almost feel like the Silent King is going to be part of the Pariah book. Yeah, maybe. Which we'll see, but yes, be very soon. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I I mean, we we only really have the the two confirmed models so far for the last book. Um, yeah. We should mention that um, they have confirmed that ninth, or at least specifically the Indominus box, though I assume it will be everything, um, is July. Yes. Which is very soon. Which, and like, yeah, so following, I mean, you know, kind of following the the pattern we've been seeing, right? If, If the book goes up, the the Pariah book goes up for pre-order this week, comes up the 26th, Judging by their normal two-week thing, I mean, it could be, you know, as early as the 10th. Yeah, my theory was that they might give us three weeks, because I was thinking Mm, that 8th had a three-week pre-order window, if I'm remembering right, which I might not be. It was three years ago, but I think that's what they usually do. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, with the good point Jeff made last night about the 4th of July with everything being closed, I wouldn't be surprised if if it was the, the week after. Um, the the latest they can get, they, they can do pre order is the 18th, mm-hmm. if they have a one week pre order window, mm-hmm. and the right. and the the earliest they can do it is like I mean it could be as it could be as soon as this weekend, which would be unlikely to be honest. They usually give us hints on Wednesday. They tell us usually yeah. Wednesday early Thursday they'll tell us what goes up for pre order this weekend. Um, well, the, the best we can hope for is on Sunday they tell us that next week is the pre-order because they do that now where yep. they, they announce pre-orders a week in advance also. So, yeah, so that's, I'm yeah. sorry, so that's what I was saying is I think that this weekend they'll say, hey, next weekend oh, you right. can pre-order Pariah pre-order. for Pariah because that hasn't happened yet. Um, this this right. week, this weekend's pre-orders are the, the Lumineth Realm Lords, the, the Quartz yep. people. Or people that use quartz. I just started to try to read the rules previous for this, and I was like, what are you... Like, I don't get it. I don't... Yeah. I can't read I it. But I'm sure, I'm sure plenty of people are excited. I'm happy for them. Not for me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this... I My expectation is the 21st. They'll say, hey, next week, Pariah. And then based on two weeks, typically, it, you know, minimum spacing between 40K releases, that puts it at the weekend after 4th of July. Mm. Which, it, it could be sooner, could be later, but at least we know it's July. So, the, very the thing that makes it The thing that makes it kind of difficult to to make that decision is, of course, you're on the 4th of July, but you they've been previewing things so fast and so mm. much of it that I, I have a hard time imagining where there's going to be dead space between when they run out of content and when pre-orders can start yeah 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 because right now i mean we could we could reverse engineer this and sort of calculate well okay how many factions are there yeah, left exactly. how many fact they're doing about one faction focus a day so we can kind of get an idea of when they'll be done with the faction focuses but i mean there's there's, there's too many variables to really pin it down to a specific week yeah we just know that Indominus is going to be July, and I would be very surprised if Indominus 
is released and they don't give the rules to anybody else. No, I super agree with that. But just for the sake of argument, right? they did specifically. It was in response to when is Indominus being released. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the main thing is, the main point we're trying to get across is it's here going to be here so much soon. sooner when when it's like much sooner than you think this can be in your hands which i'm okay with because i've yes. kind of put things on hold um like all the stuff that i delayed working on for an adepticon when it got canceled i'm like okay well i'm not going to bother finishing it now because i want to wait and tweak it and then i will finish it and that'll be fine so yeah i'm cool with that because obviously I have nothing else to work on. <laughs> We're all very bored with our hobby stuff. Uh, right, right. <laughs> I wish it was something I could do. Box set. Incredible. I, I think, you know, no matter... Unless the price is something outrageous. It, I mean, they're always a great deal for the starter boxes, so... They did say, they did say specifically that it was like at least a 50% discount yeah. off of purchasing everything and, and separately. In, and in this case where it's not the easy fit push together models, I mean, that's just, that's an incredible deal. Yep. Yeah. Way better. So it's too bad. I'm not doing a space Marine or Necron army yet. It's okay. <laughs> so as far as rules go, Right, we've been getting you know every day in June. They've been doing a little something about ninth. I've been listening to the or watching the streams, you know, after they happen. But uh, it's been great to have you know them talk about that there because they always kind of drop in whether they realize it or not. There's other little tidbits in there and in the articles too. Um, you know, I think one of the the great things um, which they've gone over is the crusade system, which I think is going to be really cool. Yeah. Really fun. And it's really fun for, um, like it's, it'll especially be fun for learning ninth, right? Like this is a super chill and fun way to do that with like your gaming group. Um, they did what I hoped and they have built it very much like Warcry, where like, unlike some games, right? Like when you're playing in a campaign and you play against someone who's, not at the same place you are right like you you can't catch up and then you're gonna lose and you'll get xp sure great but you know you're gonna lose that game they they haven't done that here um they were talking about it on the new warhammer community podcast um where like they they design it where the thing is like if you are further along in your campaign it means you have more stuff to choose from but it doesn't necessarily automatically give you advantage over someone who is a little lower on the on the ladder, which is so smart, so smart. And it lets you travel. It lets you play with different people. It lets you, um, you know, you don't have to try and keep those same eight people coming every week or every other week to play in your campaign. Like, it doesn't matter. People can drop and come back and, and you know, or start halfway through and you can... You can deal with that, which is so, so smart. And it creates this thing where, as we all know, gamers can be extremely ambitious and weirdly hardworking. If you guys are any familiar with like the Blood Bowl community, like the NAF is 
weirdly organized and widespread. Mm -hmm. So the idea of people creating these online communities, especially now that we've gotten very used and very comfortable with online communities because of lockdown for our gaming and for just talking about gaming, you just need to look at what they did for, for Adepticon regarding that. With all that in mind, the idea of someone saying, hey, I'm going to create this kind of online campaign where we all sort of keep track of each other. We all kind of trade ideas and things. And when we go to conventions, we like the, the, the big guys in, in our group organize these events, these little tournaments or these little meetups, and we play games together. And because of that flexibility that Amy just described, you can do that. I could go to Adepticon and play my Crusade army as part of my narrative with a bunch of people I've never played before, and it still works. That's yeah. insanely that, good for a community. That is my that has to be, you know, my absolute favorite thing about this is like, hey, you play your I play a game with somebody, whether they're doing Crusade or not, I make my own little notes after the game. And I'm still going. Like I don't, I don't have to play against somebody who's playing Crusade. I can just do my own little thing. As long as I get a game in and make my own little notes about what happens, it works. Yep. Which is although there, there are some advantages of playing games that are oh, Crusade, just yeah. because you do get advantages like for, for for your experience, you get some bonuses and things like that. But yeah, no, and and Crusade, I've never given a second thought to the power level thing until I started reading about this crusade thing, and now I'm like, all right, well, power levels, I don't need to min-max as much for something that's narrative-based. Yeah, exactly. Ton, tons of potential with crusade, and, and, and you know, and, and I think that was always with the other games they've done in the past with that had campaign systems like Necromunda and stuff. Old, not necessarily Necromunda, which but old Necromunda and, and Kill Team is it's one of those things where um, uh, not Kill Team um, what do they call it oh Shadows Shadow of uh, Shadow War Armageddon right that's what it was called yeah Only I ran War. a Kill Team league and- um, at my store and I tried my best to sort of like mitigate missing a week like I didn't want anybody to miss a week and then feel like they should never bother coming again and so like I, I did my best to sort of mitigate that and and adjust things and but it still was so hard like they could you know if you missed a week even like you could still fall so far behind and i was like well all right (laughs) but this fixes it here's my question in regards to what you just said do you think that if crusade is well built enough it could threaten kill team like, do you think people are just going to, like, use their kill team scenery and their figs and just go, yeah, but... Do we know Do we know what si- We don't know what size Crusade yeah, we don't is, know or how do small we? Yeah, we don't, that's we don't know what, That's sort of the difference. Um, I wish they would overhaul kill team, but I have little hope of that going. Um, I believe they did say in one of the recent podcasts, because um, that's been nice that they've been talking about all the new stuff, um, they did say that it's not... They're not taking away kill team they're just providing ways of playing 40k smaller um but yeah for for crusade we don't actually know what's like my theory is that you're going to go through which was the next topic that they talked about is the four battle sizes the smallest of which being combat patrol which runs about um about 25 power or 500 points um all the way up to onslaught 
which is uh, 150 and 3,000. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, that's my theory. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a fair a fair theory, um, especially with them raising points. Um, yes, I, I think that 500 points is going to be easy peasy. Oh yeah. Um, they do specifically say in the article about Crusade, like grab your start collecting box and and you know start getting ready. Like, which I mean that that generally has been sort of a combat patrol sized army like not necessarily optimized but certainly playable yeah because start collecting boxes vary in how many points they contain wildly yeah yeah definitely um which you know this sort of ties into the points thing is that it very well could fit in like a, a crusade could could be a combat patrol starting thing maybe a little less um you know we don't we don't we don't really know until they do more reveals but um i think that's that's definitely a good theory of, what, of how it could could lay out in the whole overall thing um i thought the battle sizes were pretty interesting especially how i guess we can kind of cover two topics in one is how they relate to command points too um yep. which i mean i think we've said it before the command points thing is is one of my favorite things about the new edition um, I did think that it was interesting that, you know, with, with the table size that they're kind of like, okay, here's, here's the minimum we recommend 44 to 30. People are like 44. What do you mean? It's usually four feet across. They're like, that's so, that's, that's ridiculous. So what are you arbitrary. doing? Like, like, well, no, no, no my, my, yeah. My, my favorite word to describe it was that's random. No, 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 no it's not. <laughs> it's specifically chosen. Yeah. And, and. And what what do you mean? My table's four feet across. It always has them four feet across. Like, do you see the, the little? There's there's a parenthesis, open parenthesis, the word minimum, minimum, then a close. Like to the, the point where they had to talk about it in the next preview right, for right. like two paragraphs. <laughs> like it's okay. You guys don't have to cut your battle maps. Um, you can just play. I had a lot of the lot of my guys flipping out about it and. I'm, I'm like, you guys realize that we play Combat Patrol on a 48 by 48 that you've set up on a 4 by 6 mat. Like, like we do this every other week. Like, it's okay. I promise you'll get through it. It's I mean, more I'm, room for your dice and drinks. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to getting that two inches on my side so I don't have figs deployed. Especially at, in... like, Adepticon. Oh, yeah. I, oh, my God. I, I mean... Guys, it's it's forty four by thirty because kill team boards are twenty two by thirty. It's okay. Yeah, like you just put. Oh, yeah, I thought we had mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, no, we hadn't. That's cool. No, it's like yeah, it's it's okay, guys. It's it's just it's built around the boards that they already sell. It's a minimum. You can go over it, which is, I mean, I think is a great way to to sort of pull in those the kill team stuff too. Is like yeah, you can yep. throw multiple of your boards together. You got a battlefield ready to go. Um, and actually, with with the way that the terrain works as kill team, is you got the board with the set, so you put three together, you got plenty of terrain. Great, perfect. And then uh, everything to to combat that or to account for that, everything is measured from the center now instead of the edges. Yeah. Things like deployment zones and objective placement, it all measures from the center, which is super easy to do if you're using kill team boards. Right, because it's kind of folds. It's that way. at the fold where they go together. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. No problem. We're not going to argue anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, a lot of people have been wondering too, like talking about what the which kind of ties into this with the um, both the points being increased, uh, the table size and command points, mm-hmm. which is what's the new standard going to be, right? Um, they're wondering, oh, is is if are the points going to change enough that a two thousand point army that what it used to be is going to be you know three thousand points or somewhere in between that two thousand one to three thousand is that going to be the new standard? Maybe you know time will tell. My um, hope is because when we went from seventh to eighth, my two thousand points of Harlequins went down to under fifteen hundred. So if we could kind of like squeak it back to where we were. At the end of seventh, I'd I'd be cool with that. I'm thinking two thousand is going to be like your your sort of standard everyday game. Um, that's the um, that's the strike force. It's supposed to take about three hours. It's played on a forty four by sixty. Like that seems to be that's the forty k we've always played. So I'm into it. Yeah. And I'm I'm sort of looking forward to the idea of instead of going from having to play catch up with one of my armies so that it now fits whatever the new point sizes are, I instead have more options in how to build my my next army so that I can look at my next purchase more as a, a quality of life thing rather than just oh my god I need to fill up this 200 points right. that I, vanished. I want to I want to choose I want to be able to make choices. Mm-hmm. instead well, of just filling space. And I mean, and yeah, that's, exactly. that's what I like too, right? Is that, okay, so your 2,000-point army is now maybe 25, you know, 2250, 2,500 points. That's great. It presents you with the chance to switch things out, try different things. Like, Because yep. I think a lot of people, like, you know, like kind of like we were saying, is that a lot of people build to 2,000 and they stop there, right? Yep. Well, now it's a little bit more, so switch things up a little bit, you know? Try that different equipment that you couldn't quite squeeze into 2,000 points before because you're going to have to drop some stuff anyway. So, Right. Like, a lot of times I've wound up, like, especially on things like my, my transport tanks, I wind up leaving a lot of weapons because I have too many points to just sort of leave hanging, but not enough for a full squad. So I pull stuff off the tank until I can fit another unit to take up space. And I don't want to have to do that anymore. Pit them out, storm boulders make a big comeback in ninth edition. I love it. Boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, command points. So I think this is one of the more interesting things, right? Is it's now based on game size. Everybody starts at the same spot, and you actually have to pay for those. Your lo- <laughs> my favorite thing they said was, if you're really loyal to the loyal thirty-two, you can still take them. Yep. Um. So basically, as far as we know, like, um, you know, detachments are going to cost points now. We don't know, besides battalion, we don't know how many points they're going to cost you. A battalion costs you three. But whatever whatever um, detachment has your reward in it, you sort of get those um, command points refunded to you. Right. If, as long as you are a battle-forged army. Yes. Which, and if you are battle-forged... You get a one C you get a CP every turn during the command phase, which is a new phase which sort of covers that pre-turn stuff. Um, checking for this seems to be when you're going to be checking for your victory conditions for most uh, most things, um, which, which is, is nice. Yeah, I, which is I like great. having that set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's something I keep forgetting, right? It's like, oh, yep. I was supposed to score a couple of points and I forgot. Well, I guess those points are gone. Gone. 
Um, they also said that there's going to be some um, abilities and stratagems that take place during the uh, command phase. Which is great because there's all those like, oh, do this at the beginning of your turn. Well, now, you know, you know what you forget about. What, and yeah, then, what constitutes the beginning of your turn. And then if your opponent's a dick, you know, if your opponent's a dick, then, oh, well, sorry, you forget about that. You're supposed to do it. I yep. My assumption is all that will happen now during the command phase. It'll be very exactly. clearly specified, which is fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah, but I think the tax on, on you know taking the, the best of every single army to go in there, I think that's it. that's fantastic. And yep. I'll, mainly because it rewards players like me that like to stick to maybe one or two detachments all from the same army. I have never played a soup list. I never plan on it. But anyway. yep. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that soup lists are just too... They, they remove from the fun for me because I, I need to sit down and go, all right, am I just am I doing this because it's going to be fun or am I trying to min-max thing? It, the, the reason is usually to min-max, and to do that, it means I need to spend even more time list building. And that just really gets tiring after a while, so I give up. <laughs> I have played two games where I have tried to just take different Harlequin um, detachments with different, um, you know, I forget what they call them. Different chapters. Oh, I'm such an ass. Wow. Why can I not <laughs> I, think of what it is? I know, right? But, um, anyway. Go ahead. I'll look it up. <laughs> anyway, the couple times I've attempted to do that, I, like, halfway through the game, like, oh, man, I totally forgot. Like, I've been playing the one that I always have played before. So, I like it. Yeah. Exactly. Mask. There it is. It finally came to me. Yes. Different one. masks. Um, couldn't even remember it until halfway through the game. Then it's like, well, it doesn't even matter anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my problem. Like, even if I only take one hive, uh, hive, uh, group thing, anyways, the Tyranid ones. <laughs> fleet? <laughs> yeah, even if I only take one hive fleet, I tend to forget what my, my hive fleet rules are. I, mean, I, I can't imagine, like, sticking two or three just to min-max it. It'd be a disaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so mainly I like it because it benefits me. But anyway, <laughs> um, and... I like it because it just makes things simpler. And it also makes simpler things simpler when I'm going to sit down again against an opponent. Like if I go to an event, it's like, all right, what am I facing? Well, I have five detachments. Like, oh, I just, yeah. yep. I just well, die at that point. And then it, it was also because of the way that they've changed command points. You're not taking you're not taking detachments for the pure and simple reason of getting more command points. Right. Exactly. Like, you, there are no more command point farms. That's well, not a thing. And I'm when, into it. And I mean, I have, you know, I have friends that um, play, like, White Scars. I have, I used to play Raywing, have a Raywing army, and it just, it, it was like, oh, there's so many cool stratagems, but if I just take bikes, like, the spearhead detachment, it's going to suck, because I'm going to have, like, three command points, so we're going to take these three units of scouts that don't really make any sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah, we should mention that your the the um, detachment you take is free if it has your warlord in it, which mostly means that you're essentially, for all intents and purposes, first one's free. And my expectation is the the um, the bigger the detachment, like a brigade, it's going to cost you. Maybe there's I, and I have no idea. Maybe there's a benefit for taking a brigade. Maybe it's plus one command point. We only know that at this point. We only know that a battalion costs you three. Right. And my hope is that they specify that you have to have the command points to take it before they're refunded. 
so you can't take like you know what i mean like all right well i've got these uh three command points for my thing but i'm gonna take this big thing that costs more than that but it gets refunded because my warlord's there so we're fine like no no because <laughs> someone will try oh of course um which is fine yeah try it, <laughs> try it. They'll, they'll mend it they have been closing most of the loopholes so hopefully they'll they'll keep doing that yeah they do seem to underestimate uh, people's ability. <laughs> the to standard gamer. <laughs> a lot of the time, though. Yeah. I, I, do, I do like that, and maybe I'm moving forward a bit there, but I do like that command points also, like we talked about it last time, how, well, command points are going to be easier for idiots like me to use because there's going to be more of these core stratagems. But now there's even, like, there's more core stratagems, but there's also more ways of using yep. points that yeah. are not, stratagem related so i don't need to memorize two dozen stratagems i can i can probably play a basic game and slowly learn my stratagems just by you know doing those very very standard things yep and i am down with that and that's also going to work with your like if you're playing your crusade like you've only got so many you know so many command points to start with so you don't necessarily need to worry about some of the bigger ones in the early games and you can add those in next time and yeah. It's all good. I kind of feel like at you know after they did like their their brief overview of like what ninth edition is going to be that they're targeting the the um the reveals and like well what are people most up in arms about because the next thing they covered was tanks and firing in close combat yeah. which people were going nuts about. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of people looking for loopholes in this one too. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's weird. So yeah. I mean, there's going to be loopholes. They're, they're, oh, they course. will find some, yep. and they're going to go, ha ha, Games Workshop, you're not good at what you do. And then they'll just patch it, and yep. everybody's going to have wasted time. We oh, no, it's not waste of time, because you need to find those loopholes so yeah. that you can be patched. But they're going to so say, guess... we underestimated how much of a jerk you were. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll fix it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot, a lot of these decisions are also based on the, the very curious and optimistic assumption that people are in it to you know have fun yeah so these actually the tank rules were actually the ones that really made me i mean because i was like kind of paying attention to the other stuff but when they started talking about the tank stuff this was where i realized i was like well all of this sounds really fun like it's all balanced and i understand where they're coming from so tanks can fire when they have enemies within engagement range now great so you can't you know bog down a tank with you know your three remaining grots and so that they can't do anything um so it must target the enemies that are within engagement so if you're being attacked you have to shoot whatever's attacking you however you can declare this part seemed to like screw a lot of people up and i don't quite understand why right (laughs) um they didn't want it to be like they it was a lot of imperial players that just wanted it to be easier than this. So you can declare targets that are outside of your engagement range. So I'm going to take uh, like this one and I'm going to target that, that group over there. Um, but it won't go off unless you have destroyed everything um, within your engagement. So that's really good, right? So, so that one grot that managed to make it the luckiest grot Somehow. in the world is not going to bother, is not going to bother you for an entire turn. Unless it right. remains the luckiest grot in the entire world. 
Which makes uh, it a lot of fun if it is. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, of and then it's just great. Like what, how even. Um, so you would shoot that first and then you, you're, the rest of your declared shots can go wherever they're supposed to go. And this somehow confused an awful lot of people. They were like, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't lose it. You should, you should, it should just fire in at what you're engaged with instead of what you declared it against. And then a lot of people in my, in my stores group were like, yeah, well, I mean, it was a thing, like, it's a thing that most people don't do where you have to declare all your shots at once. And I'm like, excuse me, that's like a that's, core rule. Yeah, that's like, like a, what are you all doing? I know. That's <laughs> super important. What are you all doing over there? I, I, it's not my there, story, so. I, 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 my, I guess is that my guess is that they're playing a lot of armies where they probably don't have many units that you want to split fire with. Sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. I have I play a lot of armies where I do want to split fire, yeah. and I've lost <laughs> a lot of shots saying, "Well, I'm going to put all my guns into that one thing because it's getting really close, and I don't want it to charge." Like, oh well, I guess I killed it with the neutron blaster or whatever, yeah. and now all those other shots are lost. And I, I lived with it, and I'm fine. It's, yep, I mean, I recover. Exactly. Like, it's that's the risk. You got to think about it. Yeah. So tanks have also lost the um, the penalty to heavy weapons because heavy now applies only to infantry, which makes yes. sense. A tank does not feel the weight of a heavy gun. Like if you like for those people that want to really pretend that this is real. And let's not forget, these all apply to monsters too, which was one of my favorite yeah, things. Yeah, super important. <laughs> Which is, to me, the biggest deal. Yep. <laughs> because I play Tyranids, and it always feels weird when I have this giant monster that for some reason has monstrous scything talons or some other weird things. Like, it looks not honestly kitted out for close combat, but it looks like it could do, like, it could do a job, right? It could yeah. carry its own. I have to sit that bastard all as like at maximum range because of that's what I do. And it, it makes because a, a lot of the like the, the, the weapon beasts, like the, the really big guys have this rule where if you don't move, you get to shoot twice. Well, again, now you get to make a choice like, all right, well, combat's getting close. I could get this guy stuck in so he doesn't get charged. But then I don't get to shoot twice. So I. Before it was automatically, well, I'm just going to shoot twice. There's no, there's no benefit in actually, you know, jumping in because then I can't shoot at all. Right. But now you're not as restrained. Like it makes the decisions more, more complex. And by, by that, by, because of that, it makes them more interesting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of now of not necessarily like running, like, that's like running a Tyrannifex with like with, with a rupture cannon up the board, but one of the closer range weapons having having a Tyrannifex run towards you that can still shoot once it's in close combat, it, it presents a completely different kind of threat to your enemy. Exactly. Well, so my um my Tyrannid army as it stands right now contains five Tyrannifexes, two of which are Screamer Killers. It will now be more because I love Screamer Killers, right? The original Tyrannifex, and I was always like, man. He's got these sighting talents. He pukes bioplasma. Why can't he do it when he's in close combat? Well, now he can. He can yeah, puke can. all over you. Deal with it. <laughs> Which um, is visually so much cooler. Yes. Like, yes. I mean, for tanks, I get it. Like, it's kind of... And we'll get to why that's not necessarily going to happen. But when those rules came out, and that was before the blast rule, I was yep. thinking, 
Uh, all right, it's fine, but it's kind of weird to have a LeMan Russ turn his bow cannon on a couple of grots a couple of feet away. But <laughs> when you talk about when you talk about Tyranids, I mean, the guns are part of them. Like the yep. idea of like stocking up on on some like on some acid blood and going in there with your monster sighting talon, and as you're chopping stuff down, you're also spewing like digestive enzymes on them. That's that's the Tyranid way. Yes. Exactly. Well, and um, that was one of my favorite things is people were like, yeah, screw you. I've got Levin Russes. You're going to get boned. I'm going to take all these battle cannons and shoot you when you charge me. And I was like, oh, well, you know. The next yeah. day they're like, oh, oh, sorry. You can't shoot blast yeah. weapons at the things you're in close combat with. Because why would you? Which makes so, sense. Why would you gently push a, push a explosive shell out the barrel of a Levin Russ? Why would you drop why would you <clears throat> drop a grenade at your feet because yeah. there's a dude in front of you? Like that doesn't work out. Yeah. Um so blast weapons, I this psyched me out. Like this was one of those things I was worried about in the initial preview. Like this was one of those things yeah. that made us go, Ooh, ooh, horde armies might hate this, but it's fine. They did a good yeah, job. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's fairly balanced. This was the one that made me go, All right, well I'm just gonna trust in all of the rules that they've yes. talked about because because this is great. Um, so weapons with a blast profile get bonuses to shooting at larger groups. If it's a unit between six and ten models, they always make a minimum of three attacks. Now, you do still roll for your number of attacks, so you could do more than three. But if you roll a one, good news, you've got three. Um, and then targeting a, a unit of 11 or more, you don't roll. You just make the maximum number of attacks. Which is awesome. And I'm into that. Yep. I am very down with that. So I don't And what's fun is that it applies to grenades. The yes. weapon I never remember. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I yeah. never remember grenades, but now I'm like, okay, well, I could remember. Because like everything I have has grenades. <laughs> I just never bought because why bother? Um yeah, so it's grenades, it's the um, barbed strangler, it's death strike missiles, it's decannons, it's the squig launcher, mm. Mm. Um, and it's phlegm bombardment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, death so as strikes, we said, it can't death be strikes. used. Oh my god, I love the death strike. It's like one of yeah. like it's one of the coolest visually things. Is like this countdown to like this big explosion going off, and now it might actually be worth it because it can do minimums. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it has a minimum. Um, and like we said, you can't do um, you can't use blast weapons in uh, against a unit in which you with which you are engaged, um, even if it has the pistol type or is a tank or monster. So this is a thing where so you've got your blast weapon on your tank. You might as well declare it against that group of of, you know, 20 dudes over there because you can't use it against the, the things you're engaged with anyway. So you might as well you might as well declare it. And if you get lucky. Well, good news. You get to take some shots. <laughs> so it's not like they're wasted necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think this is really good because um, people were really worried, like we were saying about, oh, man, my you're going to shoot. Closest all armies are gone. They suck. Well, let's talk about terrain. Obscuring. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing is obscuring terrain because I would always love when people were trying to play, like, um, there's this one guy at our store who whenever he plays an army that is very mixed and he would always try to find the terrain like as long as it blocks my knight your knight is probably no longer going to be blocked yeah 
Yeah, screen. I'm hoping that this sees a uh, that all of these like they they feel a little heavy. Some of the terrain rules. Um, I'm already thinking like all I want are sets of um, little laser etched plastic tokens with the various keywords on them, so that you can like before the game. You toss them down on the pieces of terrain, and now nobody has to remember anything. Nobody has to think about stuff. Like, there it is. It's all marked and clear, so we yeah, all know. There's no way that's not going to be, like, a, a, a third market thing. No, oh, yeah. No, I'm, I've am i already talked to people. I'm ready. Like, yeah, I, 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 yeah. just like, I know a guy that if, if, if I can't find them, I'm going to have him make them. Cause... Yeah. So the big thing is is that terrain types, right, they, they are hills, obstacles, area terrain, and buildings. Um, and you have to go through your opponent and figure out what they all are. It's very, very Age of Sigmar, right? And I, I think they'll have markers because Age of Sigmar has the terrain dice. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Which I, and then like things like things like tournaments. That's all going to be set ahead of time by the yeah, tournament organizer, definitely. so you don't even have to worry about it. Like you're all set. This is what this is. Great. Um. So and traits can stack, right? Um. So some of the traits we saw was um, light cover, which is basically the usual thing, right? You get plus one to your saving throw, um, and vulnerable saves are not affected um, against ranged weapons, right? So that's yep. so important distinction. Does not work in close combat. Light cover, heavy cover, yep. same thing works in close combat. Um, and something can be both. Yes, it can. This be thing, like they were talking about, the example they gave was a bunker. A bunker can be both light and heavy cover because it would protect you from both of those things. And that makes sense. And obscuring. Obscuring is at least five inches in height. You can't see through it or around it. Aircraft is not blocked. And models with wounds greater, yep. than, 18, greater than 18 wounds are not. You can still see them over obscuring terrain. Makes perfect sense. I expect yep. there'll be a lot of fights about what's obscuring and what's a hill. But anyway. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is why. But that's fine because those fights happen before the game yes, starts. Exactly. Which yeah. is and, ideal. And to be honest, as much as I've seen a lot of people, like, the, the moment you put these things as before the game starts, fights, it's I true. don't want to say disappear, but they become a lot fewer. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Um, they're also putting. Core in the core book, they're putting guidelines for like red, like commonly used terrain pieces, like from like especially the ones from GW, especially the ones from Kill Team. So they've got ruins. Uh, ruins count as an area terrain. They are scalable, breachable, light cover, defensible, and obscuring. Or the armored containers. They're obstacles, light cover, scalable, and exposed position. So like they've like if you don't want to sit and go, all right, well this thing is this so let's see what keywords can we give it like you can look it up all right well these are ruins so it has the following keywords great done and done yeah i love that they <clears throat> gave you some examples and hopefully they'll be like kind of like what we saw with the terrain rules in the in chapter proven stuff okay here's all the terrain we make here's the rules for it here's all the categories it falls yeah. into awesome um a little card would be nice yeah that yeah. i can like keep out you know like sort of like they did with the foldy eight pages of all the rules thing for uh eighth edition like if we could just have like a little card i can hang out it just has all of the terrain keywords on it and what they mean 
It would save me a lot of trouble with making one. If GW does not provide, there will be plenty of things yeah. I can laminate online that I will find shortly yep. after the rules are come up. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, if they don't give it to me, I'm just going to make my own for yeah. those things because it's not that hard. No. Yeah. Now, one of the things about these terrain rules is that I'm still curious about, and I am like I don't I don't have a preference either way or a big preference, but the idea of will terrain like um, fortifications will they be benefiting or have some of these things assigned to them because we're talking about you no know, oh a bunker has this and this well does that apply to uh, a you know a, an imperial bastion what about my frag drill my my theory is yes um, yeah same here because it just makes sense like it, it's you've got these rules that clarify what these things do might as well toss them on top of of the existing fortifications exactly Anyway, terrain's gonna be terrain should be really interesting to see how it interacts in the new edition. I have like six huge buckets of terrain, mm-hmm. and more. I still have some left to put together. I have a, I, ha, I have um <clears throat> the tau terrain there at least. I've had it sitting in boxes forever. Um, hopefully it'll do some cool stuff. Awesome. Flight. Yes. My my it's two chorus black stars flight. are sitting in boxes. <laughs> Yeah, aircraft. they called yes, it I'm flight, sorry. but yes, it's aircraft. Aircraft, yes. No longer destroy when they leave the table, which is awesome. They en- so enter good. strategic reserves. I love these fl- flyers zipping around the table. <laughs> One of the last turns I played in, there was a big fight over t- moving models and not having space to move your aircraft. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because that's the thing, right? Like, GW finally realized, like, oh, wait. Um, airplanes have bases because they have to, uh, because, because they, they can't should. fly, but strategically it doesn't make sense. And, and so, like they said, like, these are not skimmers. These are high, high altitude aircraft. Um, so yeah, you can, you know, models can move within its, like your, your little ground guys can walk up to a plane cause it's not really right there. It's up in the air. Um, they can charge through it. They can move through it. And planes can fly through units. Like, yeah, that's super smart. <laughs> and they gave us a nice list of all the vehicles that are out there right now that will count it, that are aircraft, get the aircraft keyword, um, which I think was one of the cool things about the rule book, right, is you got these rules. They're talking about there's going to be plenty of diagrams, but they give you a nice little box at the end. Here's a list. Yep. Um, so... They they have made a distinction between aircraft and flying. So things like the big flying Tyranids, um, or even um, even my uh, Heldrake, mm. are not um, they're not on the aircraft list. Right, which is very important. They are. So well, I think most of the movement through other units stuff is still going to apply to all of them. Um, their their rules about being able to leave the battlefield. Uh, might be a little different. Can you imagine your... your... I don't think they're going to apply <laughs> no, I don't where think I'm so. going. No, I agree. These things can turn on a dime. So right, they, they, never already have, don't have like... a, they already don't have a minimum move, right? Exactly. They, they don't don't have a facing, they don't have a minimum rule. Yeah. Like, they can... Like, there, there is almost no situation where my harpy is going to be, well, it has to leave the table. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, flying off into the sunset. <laughs> no. My high turn's going to be dancing back and forth on the edge of the board, like, ha, ha, nope, nope. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you can't see me. I'm back. You can't see me. I'm back. Nope, nope. They have very specifically told you what of the models that are out right now are aircraft. Basically, if it looks like a flying plane and comes on a big standy base, it's an aircraft. Yeah. So the last rule is the one they talked about today. And um, hands down the most panic. Like, as much panic as there was talking about, like, from the initial release when they were like, blast weapons. I have not seen more complaining and worry than about this rule. I am surprised that it's complaining and worry. Like, I honestly thought I was the only one who gritted his teeth a bit on that one. No, there's a ton of it. And there's a lot of people, like, basically throwing their armies in the garbage. (laughs) And I can't help but point out that... We hey, hey tell me where those garbage cans are. Tell me those garbage cans are. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I mean, if, if you guys need to get rid of your Tau, I'll take it. Like, like free to a good home? Sure. I'll I'll take it before you see your faction-specific rules. Um, so Overwatch. Overwatch is no longer a standard reaction, but is a 1CP core stratagem. And everyone threw their hands up in the air and shook their fists in rage. But here's where this is weird to me is I personally I'm I'm annoyed by this because from a from a thematic point of view, it really makes the army rule for Tau kind of blah. It was already not super great army rule for Tau. Yeah, no, assuming they get a new army rule, but. I mean, we've seen that there's new stratagems for uh, armies in, in the faction focuses. There's a good chance, like, especially when we're going to get to, like, strategic reserves and gene stealer cults, there's, like, there's no way they can keep this as is. They can't just right. translate one from the, one to the other. We already know that the, the reserve rules are different enough to not necessarily invalidate, but kind of complicate the, the 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 core army rule for for GNC are called. So basically, this is this is w- where I'm uncomfortable for the Tau thing. Is it kind of creates this Schrodinger's rule situation, where right. either Games Workshop takes this opportunity to take a rule that was already kind of bland for Tau, um, and can now will now either become even more bland or it's their chance to go all right well this wasn't so fun let's make something different and more interesting right um one of the one of the positives that someone pointed out um is like this is going to make it way fast like this is going to speed up parts of the game like my orcs that are not going to fire overwatch at you well and like, they're just not and that's what the guy oh, one of them is. that's what he was talking about in the video stew he's like okay so my knight charges your your third York boys. You pick up a bunch of dice. You roll. You need sixes. Okay, you need sixes. And then like my knight might take a wound. Like what's the point? Right. Like is that is that like, making the but, game more so, fun? So if it's free, like you're gonna do it because one wound is one wound. Right. But like if it it's it's choices again. Like it's strategy. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm into that. Like, if you're getting charged by two dudes and you have, like, good guns, then it makes it kind of worthwhile. Right. And he said in the in the, in the the little video that there's going to be units. He didn't really get too deep into it because I'm sure they want to reveal it or want us to look at it when it comes out. But there are going to be stuff that gets to fire Overwatch innately, right? Um, he said right. He said, he actually said, we went through the, all the rules out there and made sure that they work in coherence with, with the new rules we're, we're showing you. 
<clears throat> so like you were saying, Amy, like um, Tau. Yes, they used to work this way. They'll probably work some other cool new way. Yep. And, and that's the hope. And yeah. the, the, fact, the thing is, they are bringing in they are bringing in people to playtest these things that are passionate about each of the armies they're, exactly. they're playtesting. And whenever they're revealing some of these rules or doing some of the faction focuses, they bring in some of the playtesters to give their opinion on that faction that they, they care about. Right. They're never so, going to have me playtest space marines. Like, they're just not. Like, I do not care about your space marines. Um, no, but what what that tells me is that when they do go through this process, when they do revise each of the armies, that they will have they have something like they, they have someone who cares about the army enough to not just write it off and yep. will give their comment. So, I mean, I'm in full agreement that whatever whatever hap- happens to the, the, the Tao rules, because my point is. When I say that the the, the the greater good rule was wasn't very interesting to begin with, is that, and that's why I'm surprised that Tau players say, "Oh, I'm giving up." That was never the rule that made you win a game as a Tau player. Right. It was just kind of like this almost boring, semi-forgettable. Like, all right, I get to shoot more Overwatch, which is a very you know hit or miss, more often than not, miss situation. But it wasn't like that. That wasn't your game changer. And yeah. I'm. I'm I guess I'm. I guess what I'm saying about this rule is that I'm kind of hoping it gives Games Workshop an opportunity, maybe not with Ninth Edition, but with the Codex, to go. All right, let's let's give them something fun, like like how Orcs got Daka Daka, which is actually interesting. Yeah. Like let's do something like that for a Tau, and maybe just remove how Greater Good works completely. Exactly right, because that's the whole thing too, right? So let's say, let's say, so they put out ninth edition and they put out the new um you know these few new faction rules and stratagems or whatever and like you know these little faction focus bits that they've done to tweak the armies that exist in order you know as they exist in order to fit into you the new rule set and then we get around to the time when the new tau codex is going to come out and we've discovered that it still doesn't work even with the changes that they've already added it doesn't work well good news they get to fix it yeah exactly so um, <clears throat> with Overwatch, one of the things that they talked about, which was really cool, I thought was really cool, is int- infantry and defensible, which is a terrain trait, can hold yeah. steady or be set to defend, which I thought was really cool. Sort of reminded me of uh, old fantasy a little bit. Um, yeah. mm. So hold hold steady, your Overwatch hits on 5+. plus. Set to defend, you don't get to fire Overwatch, but you add plus 1 to hit rolls in the next fight phase. Now, the way that this... The way that I'm thinking this works is that, okay, so I have to spend one CP to do Overwatch, but, or I can just choose set to defend, right? They don't fire Overwatch, yep. but I, so, I, so, okay, one unit in my army gets to fire Overwatch, great, but all my units, if they're in terrain, can be set to defend. Yep. Which is very cool. So. Assuming you're in your defensible terrain, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And, and may, maybe, like, from the playtesters, and this is this is where having the playtesters who play these armies and enjoy these armies, maybe that's all that was needed for the Tau to make greater good interesting. The idea that, well, now I can take a bunch of Fire Warriors, sit their asses in a defensible terrain, set them to defend, and that's how I play my army now. And suddenly Overwatch isn't just this annoying mechanic, but is actually a core mechanic of my army. Right. And then it's, Tau it's, are also known for things like like um, shields and stealth. And while stealth has been essentially nothing, like one of the guys in my group was like, 
oh yeah, I forgot stealth is a thing. And it's like, because it's kind of not, but it could no, be, as, because as we haven't who, gotten there yet. As a guy who built a fully stealth army for the friendly, it's absolutely useless right now. <laughs> right, but it doesn't have to be. So oh, maybe, no, no. like, okay, so you've lost your free Overwatch, which I still don't think you will have done, but there could be other stuff. Maybe you have shield generators that make wherever you're standing defensible terrain. Who knows? Mm. Anything like you can't make like we can judge what we've got. And I think like so generic sweeping things like I think like making the game faster because unnecessary um, Overwatch rolls aren't going to happen is fine. But we have to wait for specific judgments of how this particular army build is going to work until we have all of the pieces. Right. But, I mean, we still need to have these discussions. Otherwise, what are we even here for? Sure. Yeah. So, in the various previews we've been seeing, they've been dropping little tidbits. Um, have you guys been watching the the streams at all? I've caught um, bits and pieces, but not not. Yeah, bits and pieces. I'm, I'm at work during those streams. Yeah, so it's, it's a little difficult for me to squeeze them in. I'm working from home, so I've been watching them. So one of the one of the interesting things that um, they're talking about today is when they're talking about Overwatch is um, I can't remember if it was today. Sorry, but <clears throat> they're saying, oh yeah, one of the first two codexes we release is going to be Necrons. Makes sense, right? Necrons got yep. tons of yep. new stuff. Nope. Totally makes sense. What's yep. the other one? I don't think it's going to be Space Marines because Space Marines just got a new codex. They did just get one. They are getting a lot of new stuff though. And Games Workshop has never been shy about putting uh, putting out space space marine codexes. Yeah, but I I mean I, I it, it it would feel back to back to a certain degree, but at the same time, eh. I'm hoping I, it's. How not. about I won't be surprised if it's space marines, but I right. don't necessarily think that that's right. I do not expect fits. it to be space marine, but, but I, will. I will not be surprised. But I will not be surprised if it, if it is space. Okay, precisely. Fair, fair. <laughs> Very indifferent <laughs> to the whole Space Marine part. I want to. I mean, I, it could be Tau. It would be yeah. interesting. They right, they like feel if like that winds up, of, uh... and if that winds up being like if they looked at Tau and they looked at the way that they're building Ninth, and they said, "This needs more changes than we can do in a handful of stratagems." then that would make sense. Like, okay, well, that's fine. We can handle this by giving them their new codex in which we overhaul and add all the new rules that they need to be functional in this new in this new environment. And that would make an awful lot of sense. Right. And, I mean, just thinking about it, too, like, the stratagems themselves can be very game-changing for Tau. Because if we're talking about, like, sticking to greater good in Overwatch, and we know that there's a core stratagem that's like, oh, you get to fire Overwatch once. But we've seen stratagems that are basically hyper-boosted or nitro version of other stratagems that cost go from one point to three point. And the Tau could easily have a three-point stratagem that says, well, for this one turn, you can all your units can Overwatch. Which fits with the Tau, gives them the punch that they quote-unquote had, because I never thought that rule really had that much punch. But if you want to go back to exactly what it used to be, that's it. Because how many yeah. rounds in a row do you need to all your units to fire Overwatch? And the answer is not that many. Yeah. Yeah. It's that one round where Slanesh is jumping down your throat. Right. <laughs> Think of that what you will. 
<laughs> well, sort of. So, tuck- go ahead. So I, I was just gonna. So, so I mean, like the, the end thing is, like Amy says, like until we have all the rules and all the, the stratagems and and everything, we don't like. There's no reason to panic, especially for that rule. I can't imagine throwing out an army for Overwatch overhauls. There's a lot of there's a lot of people panicking. It's just so weird. <laughs> I've never heard of a Tau player, or I've never had a game playing my tower. It all came down to my greater good roles. <laughs> they're 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 a good psychological deterrent, uh-huh. but never right. like they've never been like a huge game changer. Now, that being said, I, I would again I go back to the idea that this has never been a rule I thought was really that fun for the Tau. So the idea of them just changing it to something else, it's I, I see an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cool strategies, one of the sorry, core, no, one of the core strategies they shot in one of the articles is cut them down. Did you guys see that? Yeah, is the one where oh you're running away? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nope. core stra- so they were talking about how there's going to be more stratagems, which I I love stratagems, um, and I think moving more of them to core is going to be really important um, because there's like Jay, like you were saying, Jeff, there is so much to keep keep track of. When it comes to stratagems, especially now when, um, you know, and they want to do more army stratagems, you know, with, especially with Space Marines, it's ridiculous because you have that, there's really, you have to buy two boxes of cards, right? You have the Space Marine stratagems, then you have your individual um, army stratagems. Chapter. Chapter stratagems. So much overlap and um, not a lot of overlap, I mean, between the two. Hopefully most, a lot of, they'll be moving a lot to core. Um, so cut them down as a core stratagem, which when an enemy unit falls back before any models in that unit are moved, roll a d6 for each enemy model from your area that is within engagement range of an enemy unit. For each six, that enemy unit suffers one mortal unit, more mortal wound. Um, makes me feel like there's going to be a lot more strategy in 9th edition. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot more to think about. And it's not it. It's armies become less one trick, right? If you've got more core stratagems, because it, it also helps too. If you're playing a variety of different um, opponents, you don't have to worry about planning for everything. If you've got core stratagems that you can turn to in this one specific instance, you don't have to bring that one unit to deal with this one thing that you may or may not face. If you've got a stratagem that can help you, I'm into that. Definitely. I'm I'm surprised that cut them down isn't the one strategy that made Tau player lose their minds. Right. <laughs> I feel that's I feel that's a that's lot more. Yeah, because the idea of pulling a unit out of close combat so you can shoot it again with another unit is important, and losing a bunch of that unit that you're pulling out is I I feel that's that hurts a lot. Especially if they're, uh, if you're trying to oh, remove my your uh, your broadsides or something, mm-hmm. something that's good at shooting that you want them to survive because they're very useful in the battlefield, but can't take too many mortal wounds, and then you're just giving mortal wounds to your opponent by trying to save them. Yeah, that's a lot more painful. Whatever. Yep. I mean, if GW puts out a rule and no one complains, have they even put out a rule? You're not a real no. GW. You're not a real GW fan if you don't bitch about it. Anyway. <laughs> um, 
I'm not. I'm not gonna gatekeep who's a real fan. But I mean, the <laughs> definite fan does imply that you like the product and right. or company. <laughs> so much stuff going on with Ninth. Um, I'm I'm excited because like we're getting we're getting news and we're getting information every single day. Yep. And a lot of it, like a lot of it, obviously, like you get your knee jerk reaction, and then I, I mean. Every, every day, I, I get a knee-jerk reaction, whether positive or negative. I run to my little buddies that play 40K, people like Amy or my brother, and say, Hey, this, here's an opinion. And then we go back and forth, and we don't come to any real conclusion, but it's it's so much fun to be able to have these conversations. Yep. Yeah. I think, uh, ugh, I, I like every day, I'm like, oh, what's the preview going to be? For ninth. Yep. Lots of cool stuff coming out. Um, so they're saying every day in June we're gonna find out something new about ninth. We got like what two weeks left? Yeah. Yes. At least five if we're talking talk, talk about work days, if not fourteen more. Yep. It's <laughs> a lot. I'm super excited. Um, you guys got anything else about ninth? I think we're good for now. Well, they've started doing faction focuses, but we'll talk about that next time yeah. uh, when we have more. They've done Space Marines, Necrons, which obviously we assumed they would. Um, they just did a Chaos Space Marines today. Which we'll which cover came, all that next time. Like I hadn't probably pro- probably didn't properly read what they were planning to do with faction focuses, but when they started with obviously the ones from Indominus, I thought, all right, they're doing faction fo- focuses for what's in the box, and that's it. But now they're doing it, now that it's clear that they're doing it for every army, it makes it so much more exciting because now I'm waiting for my armies yep. to get a faction yeah. focus so I can both agree and disagree with the same piece of information <laughs> at the same time <laughs> as I tend to do. Excellent. This is both great and terrible. Mm-hmm. It's me being mad everyone. about a puzzle by only looking at like three pieces. Yeah. But also being absolutely awestruck by the quality of the pieces. <laughs> yes. This is this is where I this this is the environment in which I swim. I think, you know, 8th edition really brought a lot of people back to 40k. Um, one, one of my friends actually just started playing 40k in 8th edition, and we were kind of poking fun. I'm like, oh, you're finally get your first edition change. Um, <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Adorable. Um, I think it's a really exciting time to be playing 40k. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a GW fan in, in general, if they can pull everything together like you're talking about Jeff it's and, and that's the thing like one of the things actually I was my brother was pointing out that he was reading some of the early books from um, from Psychic Awakening and noticed that they have a, an extremely early reference to the Monofuge in those books <laughs> like nothing super obvious like I don't I don't know the details he just mentioned you just mentioned it as, as a curiosity because they clearly planned a lot of the finer details way in advance. Which means that the idea that some of these, like, when they decided to do Aeronautica Imperialis' 28mm, the same same scale as Adeptus Titanicus, like, maybe it's not a coincidence. Maybe it's not just convenient. 
maybe it is part of them saying, hey, at some point we may want to bring this stuff together. Yeah. So I'm I'm optimistic that there is a chance that the, the idea is to have some of these games sort of like tie into one another, be it just kill team with the rest of 40k or even like Necromunda being tied tied back into 40k and then pulling in some of the other box game types. We'll have a lot to digest. Guys, reach out to us on our Facebook page if you want to talk about what you think about 9th edition. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to 40K Radio, part of the Freebooters Network. You can contact us via email at hosts at 40kradio.com or on the Freebooters Forum. Please check out the other podcasts on the Freebooters Network. Until next time, remember that in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war and cookies.